On Friday, I got to do a beautiful and very small wedding here at the church, right in this chapel. There was just the couple and three friends and myself. And afterwards, we enjoyed coconut cake and champagne. Now often when you have to preach, the scripture is sort of running around in your head during the week. So I was eating this coconut cake, which had layers. You know, the best cakes always have layers, don't they? I was putting my fork through the layers and I realized parables have layers. Parables, the stories that Jesus told, have layers upon layers of meaning. We think we understand a parable and then something shifts and we can go deeper and deeper again. Much of Jesus' parables have to do with nature because he was talking to people who generally were farmers or fishermen. And this parable is just like that. It's a parable about a field. The master of the field has planted seeds of wheat. And all of that is wonderful. But then an enemy of the master comes and sows seeds of weeds among the wheat at night. So what happens is that the wheat and the weeds grow up together. Now the servants of the field ask the master, they say, let's pull up the weeds. Don't you want us to do that? And the master says something very important. The master says, no, you cannot pull up the weeds without hurting the wheat. But just wait. Let them grow up together. When the time is right, I will send reapers, and the reapers will pull up the weeds and gather them in bundles and burn them. And then they will harvest the wheat and bring it into my barn. After Jesus tells this parable to the farmers and the fishermen, he goes into, his, into a house and the disciples follow him and they ask him for the first layer. They say to him, Master, what is the parable about? And Jesus gives them one level of meaning. He says to them that the parable is about, first of all, people. There are children of light and there are children of darkness. There are people who are essentially good and there are some people who are not good. But here's the most important part. It is not our job to get rid of 
people who are not good, and it is also not our job to fix people who are not good. Because when we try to do either of those two things, we hurt ourselves. Now, when there's someone who disturbs me greatly, there are two things I often want to do. One is to run away, have nothing more to do with them, and sometimes that's okay, but if they have a relationship with me, it might not always be the best decision. And then sometimes, for me, this is a more powerful urge, I want to fix people. I'm great at that. I think that's one of the reasons I felt called to be a priest. I also go regularly to Al-Anon. And one of the truths of Al-Anon is that no matter how many articles you send someone, and no, how many times you give them advice, you cannot change other people. We're essentially powerless to change other people especially our loved ones. The closer someone is in relationship to us, the less we can change them. After the service today, I'm going to be sitting with John Roberts, who is what I would call a guru in the recovery movement. And he would say the same is true for AA. They realize they are powerless over alcohol, and the first step says that, and that their lives have become unmanageable. They can't fix it. Second step, there is a power greater than ourselves who can restore us to sanity. We cannot fix others, and we can't even fix ourselves, but, but God can. And it is not our job to wipe the world of bad people. It is not our job to even tell who is good and who is bad. We are to focus on doing what is good and right, and we are to trust that in the end, God and the angels will come and fix what we cannot fix. So that is the first layer of the parable. And the second, I believe, has to do with the human mind. Within the human mind, there are wheat and there are weeds. Anyone who has ever sat down to meditate knows this is true. Our mind is full of thoughts that are wise and inspirational and good. It is also full of thoughts that are distracting and even kind of crazy. Have you all ever stood on the edge of a cliff or a high mountain or on the top of the Empire State Building? Have you ever had the thought, I could jump? And then you go, oh my God, I must be going crazy. We all have crazy thoughts. We all have dark thoughts. Even Jesus himself was tempted. 
If you sit down, there are all kinds of wheat and weeds going on in your minds. All kinds of distraction. And I know we've got ushers coming around. Is everything okay, Claude? You're good. Okay, good. It's hard when we sit down to pray to focus. Your mind is going to say things like, oh, there are lots of clothes in the dryer that are waiting to be folded. Your mind is going to say, you have emails that you have not returned. Your mind is even going to say stuff like, I have an itch on my ankle. All of these distractions. But the parable is also true in the mind because all of the great religious traditions say the same thing about prayer and meditation. If you try to get rid of the weeds in your mind, you become obsessed with them. The only thing you can do is let them be. Let them be. And learn to focus on the thoughts that are of God. And beyond that, on the silence within. John Nash, the great mathematician, was a paranoid schizophrenic. You know, he won the Nobel Prize. There is a movie written about him called A Beautiful Mind. Have some of you seen that movie? It's, it's a wonderful movie. John Nash saw people that weren't there, and he had thoughts that were terrifying and heard voices that weren't there. And for a while, he took medication, and it dulled all of that, but it also dulled his genius, and he couldn't do his math. So he realized that what he needed to do was to stop taking the medicine, but do what he called a diet of the mind. He learned what his weeds looked like and sounded like. He learned to just let them be. He ignored them. He didn't try to uproot them or get rid of them. He moved around them. And in this way, he could continue to do his math. So my friends, if your mind is a field with wheat and weeds, let them both be there together. It's all right. God will do the cleansing of your mind in time. But you cannot do that by yourself. And there's a third and final layer of meaning, I believe. Well, there are probably many more, but these are the three that I know. The final layer of meaning has to do with the events of your life. I know that every single one of you has had good things happen to you. I believe that. I believe that you've known love and goodness and beauty. But I also believe that you probably have known injustice and suffering, illness, and even death of one kind or another. You all have experienced some kind of pain. You have wheat in your life, and you have weeds. I knew two sisters who grew up together in Massachusetts. They were the youngest of five children, 
Their father was a gentle alcoholic. He would come home from work and start drinking every night, but he was very kind. He just generally wasn't around. He went away into his drinking. Their mother was a frustrated intellectual who had had to put aside her education to raise her children. She didn't really want to be a wife or a mother, and so she often scolded them or would even hit them. One of the sisters discovered the beauty of music, of playing the piano, and she pursued that. She pursued that into college and graduate school, and she learned about her past. She did therapy and learned about the pain of, of the way her mother treated her. When she had children, she tried very hard not to be like her mother, but she moved on with her life, pursuing the things that were good. The other sister decided that her life had been very hard in childhood and that she felt sorry for herself. She didn't want to work. She claimed that she had all kinds of ailments, though people never really diagnosed what they were. She was perpetually unemployed and miserable and blamed it all on her childhood. She lived alone in isolation and in misery. Two women, the same field. One chose to focus on the wheat. One chose to focus on the weeds. And so their lives diverged like two paths, one moving towards the light and the other towards the darkness. I believe that Jesus is telling us that all of us have the same option as we look over our lives. We can focus on that which has gone well, that which is good and beautiful, the truth. Or we can focus on the things that we didn't get, the people who mistreated us, the ways that we haven't gotten what we wanted, and be drawn into the darkness. The choice is up to you. within your minds, within your lives. So you see, my friends, that there are many layers to this story that Jesus told, and I have no doubt that there are many more that I haven't yet discovered. But as we take them in as nourishment, like that coconut cake, I hope that you too will realize that life is rich, and bountiful and full of both the light and the darkness. And we cannot fix it. We cannot change it all, but we can focus on what is good. As St. Paul says, all that is true, all that is lovely, all that is just and right, think on these things. And in the end, it is God who will make things right. Amen.